Hey, welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio by Barnabas Piper and Ronald J. Martin. And uh, boys, I was doing something uh, that Big R does often, um, which is not being at a live music venue, but rather just traveling. Uh, so I, I traveled. Uh, last night, I traveled to Nashville where I took in uh, a concert. Um, I went to Fallout Boy and um, Machine Gun Kelly. Uh, at Bridgestone Arena, had a fabulous time with my son, Tristan, and uh, we will unpack that and other things. But uh, before we do, Piper, you have a bit of business to lay on us because uh, I feel like the sponsorships are just raining down on the Happy Rain podcast right now. It is, uh, it, it's literally raining money on us. So say, when, when you say um, raining down, all I can think of is like modern worship songs. You know, I feel like I should yeah, be dancing yeah. in a river and, and there's should be tongues of flame or something like that. I don't know. Well, just, let's make, let's mix nothing. some metaphors. Yeah, if I've learned nothing from modern worship, it's it's that yeah, things should always be raining down on you. So, um, in our case, it's money. Um, you know, in other people it, along the East Coast, it's actual rain uh, at this point. So, uh, Piper, tell us about our sponsor. Yeah, so let me rain down an opportunity on all the churches <laughs> and church planters and. Uh, others looking for venues if for for any sort of church meeting and that's noah's event venue same people who have sponsored us the last couple of weeks um they have venues all across the country um in almost every major metro area and these this so noah's event venue is a place where they work with businesses and all sorts of stuff but they have a whole setup just for churches who are looking to expand looking to plant looking to start a new campus and it, it's basically a an all inclusive package. So think like uh, think like a cruise ship for churches, where you pay one price and you get all of your needs. So all your audiovisual needs, all the parking, all the classroom space. They even have cafe space. Not as cool as Ronnie's church. We covered that mm. previously. But do you they know, have a snack bar though? That's, that's yeah. Really there's no snack bar with empty shelves for people to uh-huh. not eat at. Uh, there's a kitchen prep area, which is where, you know, you can bring your crock pots and do your chili cook-offs and things Mm. like that. We are getting into the fall season where such things are essential. There's a parking lot where you can do your, your forthcoming trunk or treats, um, all the essential church things. So if you go to Noah's event venue.com or I'm sorry, Noah event venue.com slash church. And it's Noah, just like dude in the Bible who built the ark, Noah event venue.com slash church. They have all the details, find the one in your area, check it out. Um, if you are at a church that's growing and you're not the pastor or you're not the decision maker, just pass the information along to them because, um, if you're meeting in some crappy elementary school that smells like half spoiled milk and like, children's underwear then uh you probably want to check this out because it's quite an upgrade for you and well there it is uh piper it's noah's event centers or uh or noah event venue noah event venue my bad i was paying attention i was paying rapt piper i have a question for you man can you can you um suss something out for me man how how do they how do they provide like a parking lot like i'm not i'm misunderstanding they, like if I if I need a space, what are they, how do they deliver me a parking lot for my trunk or tree? Well, you would be using the venue that has parking at it. Oh, okay. They and supply so, the actual venue. Yeah, yeah, like this whole thing is the venue. So it's not like oh, they wow. it's not like All they right. bring you the microphones or the whatever. Like this this is a building that has a large meeting room and it can be it can be yuppied up or hipstered up or like stained glassed up or you know That's the only incredible. thing it, the only thing it doesn't have that feels essential to church is nasty old carpet um mm. I, I saw no nasty old carpet in their pictures 
Could um, that be an option though? Like if you wanted that, you know, if you were going for that like Baptist Church circa 1989 feel, could you could you get them to provide that? Option? I don't, but I don't know if they could provide it. But here's the thing: like it's just a hard, it's a, it's just like a nice hardwood floor. So most churches who are meeting in temporary venues are used, to, like they have a crew who comes in early to set up. So yeah. you could bring your carpets and just roll them out. Do that an hour or two beforehand. It's going to smell nice and musty in there when people show up. Just get people in that in that spirit of worship, and uh, let the altar calls rain down. Piper, let me ask you this, man: do they do they provide you do they provide you with sermons to preach if you uh, if you don't have anything kind of in, in your back pocket, just waiting to unleash on Sunday? No, that sounds like a business venture for you to start, Ron. <laughs> sermons, sermons for those who are ill prepared by Ronnie Martin. Ron wouldn't write the sermons though. He would just he would source them from some other uh some other means, but I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves, boys. That's a that could be that could be topical material for later in the program, but That was a transition, um, boys, but you didn't pick up on it, so let's just move on. Well, no, I, baby, I want to I want to stay in this church space because I have a I have a substance church question because I'm I'm just fascinated by that whole thing. So, regarding parking lots, like Given that your church is sort of the, the the paradigm of like the hipster church experience, like where are like do your people drive cars or are they like are they riding like vintage like Schwins from the you know from the early eighties or the like the fifties and like parking them somewhere like what does that look like in yeah, your church? Do you have parking reserved for fixed gear bicycles? Fixed gear bicycles. That was it. That was yeah, the joke dude. I was looking for. Dude, you got it all wrong, man. I'm I, I'm I'm you know we don't have a lot of hipsters at the church. We just kind of mask ourselves like that. We just have a regular parking lot, right? I'm looking out right now. You know, we got, we got like, you know, Toyota Skyons or however you pronounce that. We got Ford oh, yeah. Edges. We got all the standard fare. In fact, baby, I mean, given what you drive, if you yeah. came to our church, Big T, you'd be, yeah. kind of, you'd be one of a kind. Oh, interesting. Well, as, a, as an Enneagram 4, it's essential that I'd be one of a kind Absolutely. everywhere. Absolutely. I think I think you need to reveal to the listeners what you drive. I think this may have come yeah. up in a previous episode, but yeah, I, yeah. It, my recollection is that at the last live event we did, Ron and I were both sort of uh, intrigued, yeah, intrigued. 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 somewhat aghast, taken aback, especially because yeah. it's well known that you used to drive a large old Cadillac that yeah. was just I mean it was it was like it was like riding on a cloud to be in it. It was like riding in a living room. Yeah. You know, it was a living room on wheels and I love that thing, man. I still do. So the caddy is still in the family. Uh I've sold it to my son Tristan when he turned sixteen. He uh he bought the Cadillac from me. So uh, in fact he drove it to school this morning. So the, the caddy is oh. still in our garage, still in our family, still in our hearts. Uh but I bought a Fiat 500, um, a, a sporty little stick shift, and uh, it's a six-speed uh, turbocharged little motor. So I just wanted something different. I hadn't had a stick since high school, and um, it's it's super fun. It's a lot of fun to drive. It's a good little commuter car there for, you know, all the hustle and bustle of Jackson, Tennessee. You know, all the all those hours I spend commuting, and um, you know, the the Fiat is a nice a nice way to spend those hours. So. How many Fiats do you see cruising around Jackson, Tennessee? Not too many, man. Not too many. I have to be honest. And, one of a uh, kind. You're one of a kind with that thing, aren't you, man? One of it. It's the Enneagram Four thing, Big R. You know, I had to be one of a kind, and uh, this seemed like a like an elegant way to do it. So, um, I, I'm I appreciate you guys taking an interest in my car life, though. You know, uh, I feel I feel cared for in that. So, Big R, <laughs> as a man of the cloth, you're doing your job, and, and mm. just as a stand up dude, you're uh, you're also doing your job, but. 
let me let me tell you boys where I I didn't feel especially unique, um, and that was last night at Bridgestone Arena at the Fallout Boy concert because while most concert audiences are like really really easy to pigeonhole, um, you know like if you go to a if you were to go to a Bonnie Bear concert you would see like four thousand of the same person. Um, Fallout Boy is not like that. I feel like they're very inclusive. I feel like they they exclude almost no one from their audience, and uh, it was a tough one to like put my finger on. But it was a it was a really great experience, nevertheless. I had uh, had a blast. Tristan and I had a had a ball last night. It was a good a good a good what? time. And so I'm just going to go ahead and reveal my ignorance because we're yeah. nothing we're nothing if not authentic on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, what kind of music does Fallout Boy do? Dude, okay, yeah. So it's like early 2000s pop punk. Um, so that just was think, kind of the, just think Green Day without any of the legitimacy, <laughs> dude. Now, why do you say that? I, I, I don't understand that because I'm not, I, I just, I'm not a, I, oh, I, like my, a music expert. My favorite run is snobby music run. Carry dude, on, snobby this is music fantastic. run is phenomenal. Also, like threatened by other musicians, Ron is amazing. <laughs> so I, I want us to stay in this, man. Let's well, stay certainly not. Run. Certainly not threatened by Fallout Boy boys. If I have, oh, to. I think you are though. I think you're a little threatened by Fallout Boy. So, so Ron, I, I have several questions. For you and follow up, how how are they inferior to Green Day? And also, like, why are you threatened by Fallout Boy? Well, I, I wouldn't say they're inferior to Green Day. What Green Day spawned was like sort of a thousand sort of B level copies, and, and Fallout is just just happens to be one of those. They're fine. It's great. Mm. Beautiful. <laughs> That's the most condescending. They're fine. Imaginable, isn't it, Piper? <laughs> it's oh, I know. I'm just That's like, like a I, I listened tonight. I wish. I'm condescending about Green Day. I listen to neither Green Day or Fall Out Boy. So. I, I wish just grinning was audible because I'm smiling so big at Ron's Dude, so complete, like, complete dismissal so of, of Fall Out Boy. I mean, and oh, it's wonderful. I love dismissing things, but it's even better when Ron does it. Baby, I, I want to ask you this because I'm, I'm fascinated. How, how small does a band's audience have to be to, to give them legitimacy? to you like it, it's not necessary it's not me so i'm, I'm speaking yeah. from sort of a I, I would be speaking from almost like a journalist's point of view here right, right, like, right. you know nobody nobody really regards fallout boy as 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 a band that's had a lot of influence on other bands is a better way to put it you know so whereas whereas green day kind of came in and they were like the first band post nirvana to bring it back to sort of like being a little more punk than nirvana was but right. sort of like they sort of spawned this hey you know we we're a band that grew up, you know, loving like old school 70s and 80s punk and we're influenced by the Ramones, all mm-hmm. that stuff. So they, they were the first to find some success. And then what happened on, on the heels of Green Day was it just it just spawned all these other bands that came in on, on the heels of their. Yeah. Success. So you had a bunch of like, um, I, I don't know, bands like Yellow Card and Coheed and Cambria and all, the, all these bands of like a kind of a high pitched voice front man and like a really, really up tempo sort of thing. But um, yeah, sure. Yeah. So. Yeah, despite Fallout Boy's like lack of lack of ability and total lack of influence on the industry, it's you know there were still like twenty thousand people there last night. Um, they're and, huge. And it, they're massive. Yeah. Yeah, they're massive, and it was it was a very like hard to pin down twenty thousand people. You know, um, there there were your usual assortment of like trying too hard Nashville dads. Um, you know, and like the leather jacket with just like a few too many zippers on it, and. Um, in, in fact, I had, I had a fascinating conversation with Tristan. So we were, um, we were in the concourse right before. So Machine Gun Kelly opened up for uh, Fall Out Boy. He's a, he's a white rapper um, that, to be, to, to be fair, neither of us had like, a lot of experience with or interest in. So 
we were in the concourse uh, right before Machine Gun Kelly, and this this Nashville dad walked by uh, with his son, and he had like very meticulously coiffed hair, um, like a leather jacket with some zippers, Chuck Taylors, and Tristan kind of exchanged a look with me, and I, I gave him a look, and and I was like, do, do you think that guy's trying too hard? He's like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and he was like, either the hair or the jacket would have been fine, but the hair and the jacket together is is too much. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's it. You know, that's really it. So, um, these, these so things this, are so in other words, the guy, the guy can look cool, but he needs to freeze a little bit if he wants to look cool. Dude. Yeah. He needs to be cold. And, and to be fair, it was like a meat locker in the arena. Uh, I wore jeans and a t-shirt and I froze poor Tristan had shorts and a t-shirt on. And I wanted to buy him like a $60 fallout boy hoodie to just stave off, you know, frostbite at some level for him. But, um, yeah, super fun show. Um, you know, I think Fallout Boy is is more fun to listen to than Green Day, um, and I don't know. I don't know if Green Day is still like filling arenas now. I've, I've kind of lost track of them, but, um, but we had a blast. I, isn't for that sure. true for a lot of? Like, I feel like there's a lot of bands, like bands that are influential, not necessarily the most enjoyable. It's like yeah, they, so we, they were the first to arrive in a space to do something creative, but other people turn it into a more sort of like mainstream, palatable product. Yeah, well, that's we not Green Day. That's not Green Day. So, well, right. Not you, what do you mean? They're not fun, or they're not mainstream and palatable, or what? no? They, they're, or they, they are. are that. They're all of that. I mean, you can't really get more mainstream or palatable than Green. I mean, American Idiot is one of the biggest selling records of the last like fifteen years, twenty years. Yeah. Bigar, let me ask you this: Is there, um, is there like a pop punk outfit that is? Like that would be palatable to Big R artistically. That you would you would not have to hang your head around your like music industry friends to say I listen to fill in the blank from the early two thousands like kind of pop punk aesthetic, or does that just not exist? Well, I just no. I mean, it, it just kind of never changes, right? So like I'm looking at these two skater dudes right now outside of uh, like outside of my like window here at the church, right? And like on one hand they look like they're, they're, they're 40. elders at substance, right? Yes. On one hand they look like they're 40 years old, but I think they're probably 18 because everybody has yeah. beards now. Okay. Um, yeah. So, you know, man, it's like, it's the, the outfit never changes. That's, that's sort of the consistency of punk, right? It's just jeans. Right, it's right. Chuck Taylors and t-shirts. It's just yeah. sort of looking like you don't care. Now you can tell like the guy you described last night, you know, mm. so when people get older and they start buying like nicer versions of that, th then it, it becomes more of a costume than a lifestyle, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It was definitely a costume for this guy. So let me run another people watching thing by you that happened. Two things, actually, and then we'll move on. So we were in a we were in an upper level section up pretty high. It's, it, it was really relaxing. We didn't have to like stand or dance around or do like the normal concert things. But um, like two rows down from me, there was a, a lady about our age with like. A young girl looked like she was in her 20s who was very tiny and had clearly had way too much to drink and who was just sitting there kind of catatonically. And midway through Fall Out Boy's set, this woman, you know, again, we're in a crowded arena. There were 20,000 people to choose from. She turns like to me and she goes, I, I need help getting her out of here. Wow. And, yeah. I was just like. What is it about my my appearance that says like I'm the responsible dad in this in this scenario? You know, uh, the lack of the lack of too many zippers on your jacket and exactly your your hair may have, may be carefully cared for, but nobody would call it quaffed. No, that's true. Definitely not quaffed. You know, nothing quaffed about it. So uh, so I helped her get um, her severely inebriated friend out of uh, out of Bridgestone Arena. And uh, the other wow. thing is. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm a hero, basically. Dude, it just keeps getting the story just keeps getting better, Big T. Dude, the other thing that happened, this was really funny for for Tristan to observe. Like one row ahead of us, there was a guy and a girl on a date. And they were probably in their mid twenties, mid to late twenties. And it was it was clear that they were crazy about each other. Like they were all over each other. And it was clear that this girl was like way too much for this guy. In that she was like fractionally hotter than him. And also like way more into dancing around. She was super keyed up about about the music, about the concert. And it was this great dynamic in which she wanted to dance around a whole bunch and be super animated. And he didn't. And it was just two and a half hours of like absolute agony for this guy. Um, Although you could tell he was also like really happy to be with her. And Tristan and I were we were like texting each other about them right behind them and, and saying things like I give it a week, you know. She's she's way too much for him. But uh, but those are the kinds of things you get to observe at a concert. You know, you're you're paying for more than the music. You get to, uh, a night of premium people watching out of the deal. Yeah, I feel like yeah. that one that one's going to there's going to be a fight in the Uber on the way back to wherever they came from uh, yeah. after that, because she's going to be real frustrated at how much of a drag he was. Oh, totally. She's going to ask questions like, you just seem like you really weren't into it. And I don't know, like, are you are you not into me? And he's going to be like, oh. Now I have to defend myself, and yeah, it's just gonna, the whole thing's gonna devolve. So, fun, man. Fun, fun, fun to watch those scenarios. They've already broken up, Big T. They've, I'm sure they've broken up. up, yeah. Maybe they're listeners, so if they're listening, you know, Ronnie, I'd love to hear the end of the story. Ronnie raised a really important question off the pod, and that is, um, at any point, could you actually hear the band over all the people singing along? The answer Dude, is Dude, no. yeah. So, we, we could, and I think it was a function of how high up we were sitting. So... It's kind of like when you sit in the back in church, um, you can't really hear everybody singing during worship. It was, it was sort of the same way in that, you know, we were near the, like the back of the room, as it were. And, um, you know, so I, I, I did. I felt like, um, you know, there were a couple numbers for Fall Out Boy, like Sugar Were Going Down. Some of the some of the huge numbers, there was a lot of like sing along happening. And um, and that, that was fun. That was fun. But but yeah, by and large, I would say. You know, people were listening more than they were singing. And they play a lot of new stuff, a lot of stuff off their new record. So maybe there wasn't like the, the familiarity with uh, with all the lyrics that yeah. there would have been otherwise. Because um, listeners should know that Ronnie loves nothing more than going to a concert and, and it being like a karaoke sing-along. That's his favorite, favorite thing. <laughs> right up there with pop punk in general. Which is funny because it's not his favorite thing at all. So I, I want to ask this. Ron, have you ever been to a show where you did sing along? Like in spite of yourself, you found yourself like swept up in the moment and you and you belted out some lyrics. Uh, no, I never have done that ever once. I've never really? sang to any never. band at any live show. No. You've never sang to any band at any live show. Like did you barely sing at your own band's live shows? Barely. Like, yeah, barely. barely. Yeah. You know what? I'm just gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna if give I you could, a little if, if I could put the vocals on backing tracks, I would have done that. So, yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. I love I, it. It's the non-live performance, live performance stuff that exactly. I... Exactly. It's meta. It's a, it's, a, it's a big joke. It's a bigger joke. Um, boy, speaking of things that are confusing and, and kind of a joke, um, something, something confusing went down in my professional life this week in that apparently there's an institution called Union Seminary, uh, which is in no way associated with Union University, which is my place of employ, uh, the university where I teach. And Union Seminary tweeted out something heretical, and I had, I had several people um, kind of reaching out to say, 
like, dude, what's up with your what's up with your school? Um, so just to this is kind of a PSA for the audience. Um, that's not that's not my school. I have nothing to do with Union Seminary and the, and their views on inerrancy, which seem uh, so. Which Union really University, sketchy. Jackson, Tennessee, does in fact believe in biblical inerrancy. Just to clarify, that's right. Okay, yeah, that's right. And we believe also in everything else good. So <laughs> everything else that you believe in, we we also believe in. So uh, you know, you should send your kids to Union, have a major in journalism. They'll have an amazing time. So but, hold on, Chad. So you're saying, yeah. dude, that everything that's ever been good in the world, you believe in. So please leave me alone. Dude, Am that's I- correct. And, and, yeah, I mean, you you hit the nail on the head, Big R. I, I don't want to oversell it, you know. And I, I I I would be remiss. I feel a little hesitant to to make that bold of a statement. But but yes, I'm comfortable saying that <laughs> everything that's ever been good in the world uh, as an institution, we affirm those things. So mm. uh, parents mm. parents should feel comfortable sending their their children to us for four years. Mm. I mean, that, that sounds reasonable. I've got. I mean, I'm starting the enrollment paperwork for my kids right now because, I mean, <laughs> what better selling point is there than literally everything good in the world? I know, and I feel like that should be on the brochure, not to tell the the people in, in university marketing really how to do their jobs. But you know, yeah, they, they really undersell it. You know, they talk about like great Christian education, liberal arts, this community, yeah, community, great faculty, campus, exactly. you know, facilities. Just simplify it. Just say everything just, that's ever yeah, been good. They, they really yeah. need to sum that up into just everything good. Heaven on earth, basically utopia. You know, not again, not to oversell it. I would be. I would oh, be remiss. I don't, I don't think we're overselling anything. I mean, that's I don't not, think we are either. You know, I've been here for years, and I've, I've got I've got the lay of the land now. You know, I've, I've done a lot of observing in those years, and you know, I, I feel comfortable with that mm. as a faculty member. So, um, boy, speaking of jobs that people could have, this this one is fascinating. Um, Piper, you shared a link a couple of weeks ago that Ron and I both looked at, and we both honestly thought it was satirical. Um, but the job posting, this was for a ministry job. Uh, it was a church looking for a pastor who would, quote, preach word-for-word sermons from other famous pastors. Uh, and this is a real thing. Like, this isn't a joke. And you sent another link uh, to a relevant magazine piece that had actually a picture of Ferdy, Stephen Furtick. And before we get into the content of this topic, I want to talk about how how much Stephen Furtick is trying to look like Drake at this point. Um, and su- like and succeeding. And succeeding. So the the more sort of severe his high top fade gets, um, the more grown in his his five o'clock shadow gets, and the tanner he gets. I'm sure. I feel like Ferdy is a like he has a membership at one of these places that's called like Hollywood Tans, like Tans with a Z, and it's in a strip mall. It's next to like a Quiznos and a and a Ross. And Ferdy goes there. I feel like you know three to four times a week to work on that tan. So. The tanner he gets, the more he looks like Drake. Am I am I right about this, you guys? Uh, I mean, it, it's it, – I, I almost – I mean, you almost can't tell the difference. I mean, it's so similar from, like, the haircut. I mean, Ferdy has a little more hair than Drake. You know, Drake keeps it pretty shaved down, you know. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. other than that, man, they, they kind of have the same face. You know, they're like dudes that work <laughs> out. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it's uh, – it, it really is uncanny. Let me ask you this, Vigar. In, in your opinion of, of both of them, who has better theology, uh, Drake or Stephen Furtick? 
I mean, based on the last like three Drake singles, as opposed to the last three Ferdy uh, sermons, especially the one that got all that hype from a few weeks ago when he said like, what what did he say? He said something crazy about um, um, God. What did he say, Pipe? Like, it was just. Oh, it was... Am I supposed to be? Am I supposed to be listening to Stephen Furtick on a regular <laughs> basis? I no. Everybody, I everybody like that. posted the quote. You know, on Twitter, it was like everybody was saying, you know, Ferdy made some crazy comment about. It was just. It was like. It was absurd. Like you know, I don't know. Like just think of the most absurd, like untruth, you know, from scripture that you could like pull from scripture. And he just, he just said like God, you know, God doesn't know something that God obviously knows or something. And, was that and was that, that also the sermon where he was leading a teenage boy around on the stage by a neck? Like yeah, but he the the kid had like shackles around his neck and he was leading. Dude, him by I a never chain. saw. I never saw. That at all, man. Yeah, that, that was that was a reason. So, I mean, we've got Ferdy on the futon from you know a couple months ago. That was an all timer, and then Dude, uh, neck shackles and a young boy. I feel yeah. like in, in today's climate, that's that's probably not a good yeah, move. I yeah, feel like yeah. Like... in in the in the end yeah. slavery movement of all of us, yeah. that right. that may not be the image to uh, to yeah. put on your yeah. church website. Exactly. I mean, to answer your question there, uh, Big T, yeah, yeah. Drew, you could probably derive a little more theology out of a Drake tune just to be funny about it. But, I mean, dude, you know, what's, you know what's weird about Ferdy? I mean, you know, when I see those kind of antics, like, dude, he's just bored, isn't he? Yeah, like he, yeah, he's, he's literally he's, got, he's literally just bored. Yeah, he's well, got when, all the money in the world, believe, all the success. When you believe that God doesn't know stuff, you kind of run out of things <laughs> to be interested in after a while. You're like, well, used him up. Well, yeah, let's uh, let's true. do a slavery reenactment. Yeah, let's let's shackle one of our youth group kids and call it a sermon. Yeah. I know who knows stuff. Me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it would be amusing to go to Ferdy's church, though. All kidding aside, like it, it would if you're just looking for sheer entertainment, something to do on a Sunday morning. Um, I don't know. I, I kind of wish we could go there undercover for like a month and just just like do live shows from the from the parking lot afterward. Um, I don't know. Maybe somebody could fund that. Maybe we've got to pull, pull like a pull like a Driscoll at the at the at MacArthur's yeah, conference. You know where he conference. shows up and like yeah. sells books out of his trunk. We could we could. Dude, sort of... Ferdy would arrest. We'd get arrested. I mean, I, is it worth it to get arrested? At, at Dude, Elevate? maybe maybe that's what that kid was doing. Maybe the kid was like selling some things out of the trunk of his car. And that's and, what and happened. Ferdy literally put him in shackles and like a like a neck thing and led him around on stage Maybe do you think do you think like, there's a chance if we did that that could happen to us because if that's I knew, what i'm saying if yeah I knew that could happen are you kidding i would be there this sunday baby i feel like book sales for uh the the big t ronnie martin you know co-written projects would go through the roof with that oh kind of publicity. gosh man we'd if, sell, but yeah, at I mean, least if we could do this as like a as like a happy rant sit-in we i mean yeah. our, our download numbers will explode Dude, are we willing? Close. Are we willing to get pulled on stage uh, and, and get a noose around our neck and be dragged around with, uh, with a slavery Ferdy. reenactment by Ferdy? That's the question. Are we like willing? Are we willing to go through that kind of humiliation? Because Ferdy probably comes out and says, "All right, man, you have two options. I'm going to call the cops, or I'm going to bring you up on stage. I'm going to make you an object lesson, sermon one illustration. What of my, my quote-unquote sermons? Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, I would absolutely do that. I, I would do it too. I would you would say, you, okay, you would say, Ferdy, I want to go, I want to be up on stage. Like, yeah. like Pipe, you're saying, make, like, you, you look at us and say, make sure you're filming all of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Be like, are you getting this? That's the question. This is, are we live streaming this? Do, does, you know, is it live to tape? Like, how do we do this? And when can I get the footage to share? Dude, so 
How how big of a ripple would that make news-wise in the reformed world if A, John Piper's kid was at Ferdy's church at all? Like that that in and of itself is worth a Gospel Coalition article, I think. Um, Maybe so, two. So, so Piper's there, maybe two, maybe a series, you know. Well, it would have to be like um, a point-counterpoint, like why I should be there, why I shouldn't be there, and both of them have to be at least 82,000 words. Well, of course, and like Brett McCracken would be arguing that you should be there. Like Nine reasons why Piper should have been at Ferdy's Church by Joe Carter. Yeah, Joe, Joe C. is going to write the nine reasons recap. Um, and, then, and then maybe KDY is across the table from Brett McCracken on the, on the point-counterpoint. Yeah, he would be like, ways that we need to think about Piper's yeah, antics at Ferdy's Church. Ways to think about Piper's, <laughs> Piper's involvement at Ferdy's Church. How to think so, about Piper's neck shackles. Right, and then Jared C. Wilson would be like, you know, uh, God's still in charge, even though his children stray to other churches. Or Gospel-centered neck shackles. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Oh, man. Yeah, I feel like that would that would send shockwaves through the Reformed community. I, I think I think we need to try this. We need to make this happen. And, um, you know, I, I, for one, I'm just curious to see what what a Sunday morning looks like there at, uh, at Ferdy's Church. What, what's the name of Ferdy's Church? By the way, do we have a name for it? I believe it's Elevation Church. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. Um, boys, question: Where do you think Ferdy falls on this whole like Nike kind of cause marketing, um, you know, kerfuffle that's uh, that's that's all the rage to talk about, and that I really can't talk about um, for employment related reasons? Where, where do you think Ferdy falls on that? Do you think? Oh, he's think ab- he's like absolutely that, a Lululemon guy. Yeah, well, he's he rides with Lululemon for sure. So until Lululemon signs uh, a controversial endorser, it's Ferdy's going to be fine. But like, do you think those those kind of mentions make their way into like a, a Ferdy quote unquote sermon on a Sunday morning? Mm. No, not a chance. I he he <laughs> will he will spew all sorts of heresy because that doesn't drive people away from his church. But he will not right. say one controversial thing about society because that will be the wedge that splits things. Dude, that's true. Yeah, you could you could lose like customers over that. So God uh, may not know yeah. everything, but we're not touching Nike with a ten foot pole. Dude, yeah, he's he can't do anything that's going to cost him attendees. Yeah, for by sure. attendees you mean dollars. Right. Well, you you said it. Yeah. <laughs> Season ticket holders. I mean, attendees. <laughs> That's right. Somebody's gonna, yeah. Somebody's gonna return their seat license in the upper deck. If, Dude, yeah, uh, you have to, you have to buy a PSL to go to Elevation Church. You, you get a personal seat license, and you know the waiting list is quite long. It's like Lambeau Field. You know, somebody has to die to free up a. And everybody place. thinks they're a stockholder when they're not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's a lot like Lambeau Field. A lot of, lot uh, of, yeah, a lot of weird things happening in the stands. People oddly dressed. Yeah. So speaking of oddly dressed, Piper, you sent uh, you sent a picture um, along with a link about this Nike kerfuffle. And the um, the the headline was so I want to talk about the headline, but then I want to deconstruct the photo itself. Uh, It said Alabama pastor cuts up Nike gear during sermon. So (laughs) at uh, at at some church in Alabama, and it had to be Alabama. Right. I mean, if this had happened in like. Um, I don't know, Illinois or like New Hampshire, it's just fractionally less funny. But uh, Alabama, yeah, I mean, like the, the panhandle of Florida is the only other place this would make total sense. Oh, totally. Yeah. This probably happened in, uh, in, in who's the author that we talked about a couple of episodes ago? Frank McKinney. Um, is that it? This could happen in Frank McKinney's church where he's an usher. I feel like this might happen. <laughs> but uh, Alabama pastor cuts up Nike gear during sermon. 
Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this played well with his audience. And um, Piper, you made some some really incisive comments, though, about this man's attire. And uh, I want you to expound on that. Well, first, I, I would like to say that I lost count of the number of pleats on his oversized chinos. Um, yeah. I, they, they were bunchy, which made it hard to it just it was hard to quantify the the yeah. number of pleats but they're also like they, these were not these were not like nice crisp business chinos these are they're almost like parachute chinos yeah it's it's a really interesting like genre of chinos that i think i haven't seen really chinos like this since the 90s and usually when i talk about the 90s it's in like a a, a reverential kind of tone because i do love that decade but like the the super pleated billowy khaki was a a distinct '90s thing, and it was worn by like seminary students, theology nerds, um, that that type of person. And, and here this guy is uh, with heavily pleated um, chinos, and it looks it looks to me, Piper, and you can you know you can verify this. There's something like billowing out of his pocket. What do we think that is? Oh, I, I think that is his pocket. Like, you know, like, you know, people pull their pockets out to show that they're empty. His his pocket oh. is actually like inside out, which tells me one of two things. I mean, the, the likely option is that, you know, he very enthusiastically ripped the Nike gear out of his pocket as like a, the great reveal, you know, because yeah. it, it oh, looks yeah. it looks like a Nike like sweatband, like a headband, yeah. which yeah. also makes perfect sense for somebody who dresses circa 1996. Well, yeah, what he did there is he found the cheapest piece of Nike gear that he could find to then cut up. So no way, this is the that thing that he used like last Thursday doing his Richard Simmons workout. Like he <laughs> he owned this thing already. Like that's I love a, it, man. It's it's he's he is doing this like this is this is an act of repentance on his part, where he's oh. like, you know, I've been with this company for so many years and no longer, yeah. and then he you know he takes the the big you know the big black metal office scissors to this thing and hacks it to hacks it to bits, and while the lady plays just as I am, <laughs> I love it dude. I love it. Um, big R, did are are you going to be cutting up any Nike gear? At, on stage at uh, at Substance, this we're time. taking it one step further, man. We're doing a <laughs> we're doing a Nike bonfire, so we're oh, I love so it. Bring all of the, all the books they don't like or agree with, and Nike gear. Put it all in a big bonfire, big pile, and we're just gonna we're gonna burn. It. It's gonna be a party. Dude, it's a, it's a it's a community event. At that oh, point. it's gonna be huge. Yeah, yeah. that's how that's yeah. how we community at Substance. Nike we, s'mores. Exactly, man. Exactly. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. And I think people will appreciate it. I think they'll appreciate the stance that, that I'm taking. Yeah. I mean, uh, you're, you're not afraid to address some I'm of these not, issues. I'm not afraid. I think it's going to, it's going to, it's going to tie us together. We're going, yeah. to, we're going to be better for it. It's community, baby. And, and you know what? I have a, I have a follow-up question for you um, that I wasn't able to, uh, to sneak in during the last topic because, uh, full disclosure, I forgot that I wanted to ask. But, <laughs> um, so the, my question is this. Um, would you take, would you take a pastoral job in which you did nothing but give somebody else's sermons? So the sermon is by a famous person. You download a manuscript every week and you just simply deliver it, um, at your, at your place of worship. Like, is that a job that would appeal to you, Big R? I mean, here, okay. So let me, let me, let me just split it up into, you know, two parts this answer. There's a lot of nuance. Yeah. I got to parse it out, man. So on one hand, the answer is uh, that sounds like the greatest job of all time. It's like, so whose sermon do I want to preach this week? 
I mean, yeah. oh my gosh, man, I can't imagine anything like more effortless. Which, which sermon do I not want to work on this week? Exactly. I mean, are you kidding? Like, that sounds amazing. I think I'll do a little Tim Keller, a little Timmy K on Sunday, you know? Mm. Like, why not, right? Yeah. Um, on, yeah. on the other hand, you just go like, it's so, it's inc- like, like what they're, like what they're proposing, like in a, in a job description like that is that at the end of the day, all that matters is, is entertainment. All that yeah. matters is that you have a, an, a, you know, an orator who knows how to basically, yeah. you know, get, get a crowd, draw them in, hype them up, entertain them because everything else is. Dude. Is so separate. at that point, and, and I'm not being facetious, like, What's the difference between that and just like plugging someone's iPhone into a speaker and just like playing a sermon? You know what I mean? Um, why why wouldn't you just do that and save yourself the like the the salary at that point? Because you're not getting like you're not getting the experience of a guy like a you know you're not getting experience of a guy who knows how to you know yeah. speak to a crowd, control a crowd, you know, get a yeah. crowd like sort of under his you know under his influence and yeah, and the guy in the room, man. <clears throat> They want that. They want they you know they want like that. They want that kind of a guy. You know they want yeah. that. They want I, that verdict. They want that guy who can who can not only speak but who can get some shackles, put it around some kid's neck, <laughs> and lead him around the stage. They want that. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all though? I mean, I mean, isn't that just kind of the the indefinable sort of quantity that makes you a star in this business? I keep you know? waiting for Ray Orland to just use a Stephen Furtick sermon, and he hasn't done it yet. I'm getting a little impatient. He keeps, yeah, well, he keeps like writing his own sermons and doing this exegesis wow. stuff and you know yada 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 and i'm like you know what's great shackles can we just do some shackles and a futon <laughs> yeah. please ray no pipe i didn't i didn't read all of the article right but it's weird because they didn't say like what's right they didn't like give they didn't narrow it down to like you're only allowed to preach this you know these eight people's sermons right oh no I mean, and, and just, well no the spectrum was like tim keller to stephen furtick so I mean, oh, it was. It so was. basically, they're like, respect. if somebody maybe has heard of this guy, go ahead and use the sermon. He's he's wow. sort of famous. So yeah, wow. they not not a lot of uh, definition there. The thing that fascinated me about that was their rationale. They're like, if a worship leader can get up there and just verbatim use a Chris Tomlin song, then uh, why not? Why not? Uh, why not do the same thing with a sermon? Like we we sing other people's songs. Why can't we preach other people's sermons? So let me let me throw that at you playing uh, devil's advocate here, Ron. How would you respond to that rationale? Hard to argue with it. Oh, man, I don't know, because, you know, I mean, I'm all about worship guys writing their own songs and, you know, being a little more creative with the process. And, um, you know, I mean, I don't know, because a pastor needs to speak from, you know, his experience and he needs to speak from. You know, I mean, there's a bunch of different aspects that a pastor is actually preaching, you know, to the congregation as a way for God's word to shape them, inform them. And I, I guess you could make a t- I guess you could make a bit of an argument about, you know, worship leaders not just regurgitating uh, the same thing week after week. I mean, I, gu- I guess there's a particular kind of an argument you can you can make for that. But yeah, that's a good question. I mean, are, should worship leaders have an obligation to create their own content? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, definitely. Well, okay, so that brings you into another whole, the whole other thing, which is, is it, does a worship leader, do they just sit there and sing, or do they need to lead in and out of the music? I think they need to lead in and out of the music by writing their own material to do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 
Okay, that's that's fair. I just I, I thought their rationale was interesting because I, I mean, I clearly see the holes in their logic, but I'm like, you know what? If you're going to use bad logic, at least use it creatively. And they did. But also like a, but also worship leader, too, has to be a, you know, has to be a somewhat skilled musician. So that is that's also something else that they have to work on. And because you can be a pre, you can just be a, a preacher can be I mean, it's all over the map, right? You can be a you don't have to be a really compelling speaker to be a good preacher necessarily. You know, I mean, it's just there's a lot of variances. I think I don't know. I don't uh, know. That seems fair. Yeah. I don't know anything. I I don't. I got I got nothing. I got nothing. Well, then you, you know? should just I do just, somebody else's sermon next some Sunday because I mean, you don't know think, anything. To think about, I so I got a friend that like once a year, but they know he's doing this right. I think he does it like on the New Year's Eve, like the the last Sunday of the month, whatever that falls on. Um, I think he like te- like his church knows that he like gets a classic like Spurgeon sermon and he just reads that but it's like something that they all know that he's going to do and I always just thought yeah. well dude what if, what if you start doing that like once a month and then what if, like three times like, twice a month you know like like that's just like how far do you take that baby I want to I want to take this one step further what if you what if you did that on this show like what if you read the transcript of someone else's podcast performance like going to the going to some of the old Trogues archives and just start reading Trogues. And just start reading Trogues material, and just say to yourself, you know what? I'm going to take one, I'm going to take one thing off my plate this week, and I don't, I don't even want to have to think about what I'm going to say on the happy rant. So I'm just going to print out like some Trogues manuscripts. I'm sure they're out there. I'm sure people. Baby, baby what if we did this? What if we literally printed out a transcript <laughs> of of like the very first happy rant? And we all just like read exactly what like Dude, we, and we read it dramatically and like you did you did Trogue's part, Piper yes. did himself, I, I do myself. I would love it, dude. Is there I any is there anybody saying. less qualified to do Stephen L. Trogi than Ronnie Martin? I mean, just in terms of like personality difference, I've Dude, I, don't I think know. if Ronnie's if if he's the least qualified, then you you and I are like one A and one B. We're I mean, that, we're writing fair. that discussion. Yeah. That, yeah. The problem is you guys would just be reading yourselves. <laughs> That's okay. We could do it with feeling, you know. We, we we'll, could we'll also switch it up and like I could do Ted and Ted could do me. It'd be sort of an idea like, you know, we've done 300 of these podcasts. How many uh, you know, how well how well can we impersonate the other? Dude, if we could somehow do that, I think that would be so fresh, man. That would be really I agree. cool. I agree. Yeah. I love that concept. I have I an think, idea, uh, Ted. Here's an idea yeah. for for one of your students. Offer them extra credit. Yes. To transcribe our first couple episodes. All right, man, I'm I'm on it. I'm gonna make find it, someone. Yeah, make it like that. a make it a class project for you know the next time you get a B, it gets bumped to an A if you do this. Yep, yep, I love it. I love it. I'm on it. And uh, yeah, we need scripts, man. This is gonna be a, a little dramatic read, a little table read, boys. Wow, that's uh, huge, man. That's the huge. history of the Happy Rand. I mean, we're gonna it's it's a tip of the cap to the old days. You know, the early days of radio when when you know Jared C. Wilson and his you know, uh, tired wife and, and their 11 kids sat around the hearth and listened to, to me, Piper and Trogues, you know, come into their living room once a week. So, um, you know, it's going to be fun for the whole family. And uh, I will get on that immediately. Boys, we have done uh, what we often and always do on this program, which is to wander to and fro uh, throughout, throughout these topics. And I think this program had, you know, it, much like that guy's khakis, you know, there was just there was a lot going on um, in this program, and, and, and hopefully, uh, I, it, hopefully, it was not as empty as his pockets. That's true. That's true. I've enjoyed it. I hope. Uh, I hope you have. Drink some Lagarus Roasters coffee. We haven't mentioned that in a while. Uh, it is the best coffee you will ever have. 
Uh, LagarusRoasters.com. Buy only the Happy Rant Signature Blend. Do not buy uh, the Church Curmudgeon Blend. Uh, he is now in business with Hector Lagaris, and I feel uh, wounded by that, to be honest. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he needed to come and speak with me first. Uh, he hasn't done that, and uh, I, I just feel angry and uh, and and hurt. But uh, LagarusRoasters.com, Happy Rant Signature Blend. We have wandered to and fro. Until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.